And this morning's message is entitled, King Hezekiah and the Power of Prayer. You know, I think it's really important. We're talking about how we fight our battles. We're talking about how God is for us. And, and I think many of you in here, there's some situations that you're battling. There's some things you're going through. There's some situations that, that, that you need resolution. And, and I trust that that's you this morning. This message will help you. Amen? Because King Hezekiah was a, was a pretty amazing man of God. It was, this story is found in 2 Kings chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And, and this morning, I'm actually going to be preaching and reading out of the NIV version. So 2 Kings chapter number 18, we have an, an amazing story of King Hezekiah. Now, during the time of the kings, it was, uh, it was really kind of simple. There were good kings and there were bad kings. We can relate, right? There's good politicians, there's bad politicians. When, when good kings were in, 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 uh, in power, blessings came. Good things happened in, in Israel. And, and then when bad kings came, well, the opposite was true. But Hezekiah was a good king. He did some pretty amazing things. And, and um, this story is actually found also in Isaiah chapter 36 and 37. And, and that's where I began reading. And when I read, read that in Isaiah, I was touched by uh, the sincere faith that King Hezekiah had. See, he had a great big old need, but he had an even greater amount of faith. You know, I want to remind you guys that God often uh, moves more in response to our faith than to our need. Let me say that again. God responds more to our faith than to our need. A missionary friend of ours who was doing some work in India um, once said that if God totally responded just to need, he could never leave India. Let that sink in. You know, when we think about our third world countries, when we think about parts around this globe, if, if God purely responded to need, hmm, it'd take him a while to probably get to the United States of America now, wouldn't it? Because we're such a blessed people. Amen? But God not only responds to need, but he responds even more to faith. So I want to challenge you this morning. How many in here, by a show of hands, have some type of need? Just slip your hand up. If you have some type of need... Let your need activate your faith. Amen? Because when your need activates your faith, all of a sudden now, the stage is set for a miracle. So this morning, I want this message to encourage you because King Hezekiah had some pretty big needs, and we're going to read about that. But he also had some pretty audacious faith. That's what God responded for. When your faith meets your need, things begin to happen. 2 Kings chapter number 18 verse 20 tells of two separate events in Hezekiah's life where he faced impossible odds, yet his sincere faith in the Lord got him through. This message should encourage every one of us today who may be going through a difficult trial or test. Remember in James chapter number 1, uh, we're reminded that trials will come, but there is a purpose for you and I to make it through stronger than where you started. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today, but I believe there is great, great power in this word. Let's pray today, can we? Lord, I just pray right now, Lord God, you saw those hands that went up. You know what our needs are. You know what we're going through. And I ask today, Lord God, that faith would be activated, that faith would be activated in the hearts and minds of your people, God. I'm just asking right now that you would help me to communicate this message in a way, Lord God, that will lead us to a place where our faith has, becomes activated, where our faith can, can become more powerful than any need that we might have, 
and we will watch you do the miraculous. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody would say, amen. Again, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. 2 Kings chapter number 18. And again, I'm using the NIV version this morning. Just to give you a little background, uh, the children of Israel have actually divided themselves into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, okay? So there's actually two kings. There's a king of the north, there's a king of the south. And we're going to begin reading in, in verse number one of chapter 18 where it says, In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king. Guys, that's just a reminder to all of you young people out here that God can use you. If God could use a 25-year-old to be king, God can use absolutely anybody, okay? He was a 25-year-old guy, and he began king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. His mother's name was Abaha, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. See, that's a goal for all of us. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you've been serving God for weeks or you've been serving God for decades, our goal should be to do right. Amen? To do right in the eyes of the Lord. Verse number 4 begins to tell us some of the things he did. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. You know, guys, it's, it's pretty amazing that um, in Numbers chapter number 21, we have Moses who, by instruction from God, had, had fashioned a bronze snake. And what that was was a foreshadowing of, of Jesus. And, and when, they, when people would look upon that snake, they would be healed. It was kind of a foreshadowing of what, what Jesus would ultimately do. But it's amazing bronze stays around a long, long time. <laughs> okay? And they had, they had forgot the why behind the what. And guys, we can get in a whole lot of trouble when we forget why we do what we do. Amen? You know what, guys? Believe it or not, that, 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 that bronze snake, which, which was supposed to, the what was the bronze snake, but the why was putting your faith in God. He will bring healing to you. See, guys, when they forgot the why, it became an idol. When they forgot the why, they were just going through the motions. You know, there are churches all across our nation today that have forgotten their why. Amen? Let us make sure that LCC Berwick never forgets their why. Amen? You know, when we're singing a song set, if we don't forget, if we don't remember the why, we can just go through the motions. If we don't remember the why, the why is to connect with God. The why is to ascribe honor and glory to God and connect with him. That's the why. We don't just sing a few songs because I can't preach for an hour and a half. I promise you, I can. I just choose not to. And that would give me an amen, right? Okay? Every teenager went, amen. Okay? Hayden told me this morning he's a little tired, so dad, keep it exciting or I might go to sleep on you. Okay? Well, he won't. Okay? He won't. Michaela, every now and then, elbow him. Okay? Uh, Cool. So, guys, we need to just remember the why behind what we do. You see, this bronze snake had become an idol. The people had forgotten the why behind it. And our traditions are good. It's good to have traditions. It's good to have some things that we do. But let's not forget the why behind the what. In fact, the why is more important than the what. In verse number 5, it says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, 
That's a great thing to do, amen? He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord, did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands of the Lord had given to Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. Young people, pay attention. Blessings follow obedience. King Hezekiah did right. King Hezekiah did what God had called him to do. He was obedient and blessings followed that obedience. Guys, that is a lesson that we all need to be reminded of. Blessings always follow obedience. When you do things God's way, you get blessed for it. Amen? The Lord was with Hezekiah and he was successful in whatever he did. Wouldn't that be a great testimony to be successful in whatever you do? That's an awesome thing. Do things God's way. Be obedient to God's word and blessings will surely follow you. In fact, it says he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. Man, a lot of good things are going on with Hezekiah. A lot of awesome things. And that just kind of gives you a backdrop of what's going on right now. King Hezekiah came to power. He began to be obedient to the Lord. He, he abolished a, a, a idol worship. He did a lot of good things. He was obedient and the Lord blessed him. Now, in verse number 9, we, we begin the first situation where Hezekiah really found himself in a great deal of need. Verse number 9. In King Hezekiah's fourth year, which was the seventh year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Salamaster, king of Assyria, marched against Samaria and laid siege to it. Now, this is the northern kingdom. This is not, this is not Hezekiah and the southern kingdom. But... Uh, Assyria laid siege against Samaria. At the end of three years, the Assyrians took it. So Samaria was captured in Hezekiah's sixth year, which was the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel. The king of Assyria deported Israel to Assyria and settled them in Hala in Gozan in the, in the Haber River in the towns of the Medes. This happened. Now look at why this happened. Why did God allow the northern kingdom to, to, be, uh, to be overtaken? This happened because they had not obeyed the Lord their God but had violated his covenant. All that Moses, the servant of God, commanded, they neither listened to the commands nor carried them out. You see, guys, if blessings follow obedience, what happens when you don't obey? What happens when you do things your own way? Well, the Lord just kind of removes himself and lets things go as they may. That's what happened with the northern kingdom. They were overran because they stopped trusting in the Lord. They stopped remembering this is how we fight our battles. Amen? Guys, you and I as Christians can get in a whole lot of trouble when we think we got this, when we think we can handle this, when we forget that the way we fight our battles is on our knees. The way we fight our battles is in spiritual warfare. The northern kingdom succumbed to the, the, the great power of Assyria because God, God had removed himself from them because of their sin. In verse 13 it says, eight years have passed now. So in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. 
So Assyria defeated the northern kingdom. Then a few years later, now they've got Hezekiah in their crosshairs. Now they've got the southern kingdom in their crosshairs. Verse 14. So Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent this message to the king of Assyria at Lachish. I have done wrong. Withdraw from me and I will pay whatever you demand of me. The king of Assyria extracted from Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace. Guys, I got to tell you, this, this is not an act of faith right here. This is an act of fear. This is, this is one of Hezekiah's lowest moments because I don't know if he was getting bad counsel. I don't know if uh, some folks around him, Seth, were giving him bad advice. But, but I've got to tell you, this is a picture of compromise. And how many know you cannot appease the devil? You cannot compromise with the devil. He is a terrorist, okay? We've recognized in the world that we live in today that you can't negotiate with terrorists. You cannot, the only thing they respond to is power, right? The only thing that the enemy responds to is power, is your authority. Not your authority, but your authority that's found in Christ Jesus. Don, don't appease the enemy. Amen? Stand in the power that is yours. Stand in the authority that is yours. You cannot appease the devil. Don't play games with him, young people. Defeat him by the power of Jesus Christ in your life. Amen? Rebuke him. Um, um, uh, Take authority over him, but don't you dare appease him. Amen? We're not supposed to appease the enemy. We're not supposed to negotiate with a terrorist. And that's exactly what Hezekiah did. Verse 16, it says, At this time, King Hezekiah, king of Judah, stripped all the gold which he had covered the doors and the doorposts of the temple of the Lord, and he gave it to the king of Assyria. Man, think about it. He was appeasing an evil person, and next thing you know, he's destroying the temple to try to, to, try to buy him some time. But finally, enough was enough. I think some of you in your situations, in your life, you need to get to the place where King Hezekiah got to where he says, enough, enough. I've had enough of this. I've had enough of the enemy's nonsense. Amen? I've had enough of walking in sickness and walking in defeat and walking in less than the abundant life that Jesus promised me in John 10.10. So let's look at what King, uh, let's look at what Hezekiah did. Verse 17, it says, The king of Assyria sent his supreme commander, his chief officer, his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. They came up to Jerusalem and stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. They called for the king and Elakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator. Sebnod, the secretary, and Joha, the son of Asaph, the recorder, went out with them. And young people, you thought your names were difficult. And the field commander said to them, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king of Assyria says. On what are you basing your confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me. Look now, are you depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pierces a man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it? Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. Note the enemy's words, full of accusations and lies, just like the enemy always does. Verse 22, 
And if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar in Jerusalem? As usual, guys, the enemy doesn't understand the Lord's ways. You know, the king of Assyria was like, you're depending on God. And, and isn't that who those, all those altars were tore down? Well, all those altars were idols. All that was nonsense. King Hezekiah was doing what God had told him to do. Verse 23, come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I'll give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Now, here's the biggest lie of them all. Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this place without a word from the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. You know, guys, the enemy will lie to you. (laughs) The enemy will get you believing some crazy stuff. The enemy will get you thinking that, 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 that the Lord's not for you anymore, that, that, that he's forgot about you. You ever been there? Anybody in here ever been there? Yeah, we find ourselves there. Guys, that's when we got to stand on the promises of the word of God. Don't compromise with the enemy. Again, the enemy will always offer you a compromise. Don't fall for it. Look at verse 26. Then Elikim, son of Hilkiah, and Sebna and Joash said to the field commander, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of all the people on the wall. Again, the leaders are trying to protect the people. That's a noble thing. But the commander replied, Was it only to your master and that my master sent me to say these things and not to the men sitting on the wall who will have to eat their own filth and drink their own urine? Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew and said, Hear the word of the great king of Assyria. And he repeats some of these things that he had said before. You know what, guys? The enemy will try to bring fear into your life. The enemy will try. He's an absolute terrorist. He will try to bring fear and apprehension and doubt into your life. Verse 31. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria is saying. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me. Come out, uh, come out to me. Then every one of you will eat from his own vine and fig tree and drink water from his own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Choose life and not death. Well, that almost sounds like scripture, don't it? It almost sounds like blessings from God. But here's the one thing the enemy forgot to tell you. You're going to be a slave. You see, guys, the enemy, the enemy wants you to be a slave. The enemy wants to paint a picture that looks really, really good. Teenagers, let me tell you, the world paints a picture that looks really, really good. It looks really, really good that that teenagers get to have a great time on Friday nights and Saturday nights and they don't remember it the next day. But guys, that's a picture of sin. That's a picture of enjoying sin for a season. There's a price to pay for that nonsense. Amen? Broken relationships, bad mistakes. The list goes on and on. If you want a list of all those things, talk to me and Fabian. We'll create one for you. Okay? Man, look, when you do things your own way, it's hard. It makes life hard. Okay? Life is hard already. It's even harder if you do stupid stuff. Amen? How many parents ever told you kids that? Life's hard. It's even harder if you do stupid stuff. Okay? Let's not do stupid stuff like 
believing the enemy's lies. Amen? See, the king of Assyria was painting a pretty picture. It almost sounded like the promised land. The only thing he forgot to tell him is you were going to be slaves. You could choose life, but you're going to be my slave. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. He continues to say, do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver you. Has the God of any nation ever delivered this land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hama and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharim and Hena and Evra? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save this land from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? You see, guys, again, he's trying to bring fear to him. What is fear? It's false evidence that appears real. It's false evidence that appears real. It's, it's the doctor's report that says you have no chance. It's the doctor's report that says it's cancer, it's bad, and you're going to die. It's false evidence. Ultimately, the Lord has the final say. Amen? He has the final say. It's really important to mention right here in verse number 36. Look at how the people responded. But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply because the king had commanded, do not answer him. You see, our silence makes our enemy very nervous. Your silence makes the enemy nervous. Remember the importance of remaining silent because out of the abundance of the heart, our mouths speak. You know, I once heard... This concerning our thoughts. You know, the Bible tells us to take our thoughts captive, okay? And I love the way Gary Sapp put it. Good thoughts come from God, hang on to them. Bad thoughts come from the devil, get rid of them. Amen? Good thoughts from God, bad thoughts from the devil, okay? But here's what happens when it comes to thought. Remember this, guys. Thoughts may come, they may persist, but thoughts never birthed in word or deed will die. Let me say that again. Thoughts may come, they may persist, but thoughts never birthed in word or deed will die. You see, guys, when we have thoughts, Fabian, that are from the evil one, when thoughts that are not from God, they they may come, they may even persist. But if you don't speak them, if you don't act upon them, they will die. Amen? Guys, the words that we sow are so very important. We prophesy our future with the words that we speak. That's why it's so important to speak life. That's why it's so important to speak blessings, amen? Again, I'm working on a message that I haven't fully fleshed out yet, but if you want to change something or change someone, begin to bless it. That's the premise. If you want to change something or you want to change someone, begin to bless it. Hey, guys, have you ever been able to change your teenager's behavior or your husband's behavior by complaining? Anybody? Didn't think so. How about you start blessing it? How about you start blessing that teenager? How about you start blessing that husband? Amen? If you want to change something, bless it. The words that we say are so very important. Amen? Then it says, Then Elikim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Sebna, the secretary, Joash, son of Asaph, the recorder, went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and said, What are we going to do? So we have a bad situation right here. King Hezekiah is, is, is facing an army far superior to his. Let's see how Hezekiah is going to handle it. Chapter number 19. It says, when King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and he went to the temple of the Lord. You see, guys, 
That's how you fight your battles. Amen. That's how you fight your battles. You go to God. You go to the source. You go to a place where you can get some help. This is how we're supposed to handle things. He sent Elikim, the palace administrator, Sebna, the secretary, and the leading priest, all wearing sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah. You see, he sought godly counsel. Guys, it's important. I got a question for you. Who is speaking into your life? Amen? Who is speaking into your life? Who have you given permission to speak into your life? Guys, look, it's not enough for me and Miss Chantel just to be the pastor for the church you attend. We have to be your pastor. That means you have to give us permission to speak into your life. Who's speaking into your life? Amen? Now, should we be the only ones? Heavens, no. Okay? But there has to be people in your life that you've given permission to speak into your life. Because how many know sometimes we make mistakes? John, we don't see everything clearly. We, we make poor choices sometimes. Amen? You ever been there? You ever had a bad, you ever, you ever made a mistake, Bubby, you ever made a mistake? You ever had a bad idea? You ever had something that didn't work out? Well, of course, we're all human. We need to make sure that we have people that are speaking into our lives. We need to make sure that we are, we are understanding, we're submitting to spiritual authority. Guys, the real test of spiritual authority is not when somebody agrees with you, but when somebody corrects you. You know, I've given different pastors permission to speak into my life, Sister Karen. And, and there was one of them one time. I made a statement long, long ago at my first church when I was young and dumb. And I made a statement, and it got real quiet on the other end, which was very unusual for Pastor Rose. <laughs> okay? Although you that know Bishop Rose, quiet was not for him. And Zach, he got real quiet. And then he just said, Mo, do you really believe that? And I said, yeah, I do. And then he went into about a 15-minute series of stories, illustrations, and sermon titles, okay? And when he was done, all I could do, all I could do, Ronnie, was say, yes, sir, I stand corrected. You ever been there? Okay, well, he did it to me too. Look, guys, it's one thing for me to say people like that speak into my life, but then the real test is when he says, hey, bozo, listen up. <laughs> you don't have this one figured out. Let me explain something to you. But guys, I'm better off because of people like that. Amen? You can't just have a bunch of bobbleheads around you that say, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay? Teenagers, that's how you get in trouble. <laughs> when you got a bunch of teenagers going, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, Hayden, climb to the top of the roof and see if you can fly. Yeah, that'll work. Cool. Okay? That's dumb stuff. Okay? You need to make sure you have people that are around you going, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Okay? So guys, we need to ask the question today, who's speaking into my life? Who has permission to rattle my cage? So Hezekiah said, let's go talk to the man of God. Let's go find Isaiah. So they told him, this is what Hezekiah says. This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace because the children have come to the point of birth and there's no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the field commander whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God and that he will rebuke him for the words of the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. He just said, go to Israel and, uh, I mean, go to Isaiah and have him pray for us. Guys, you know what? You need to find people that can touch God on your behalf. You need to find God people that know how to pray. You need to find people that know how to touch God. LJ and Gail Chase need some people to touch God on their behalf. Amen? Guys, pray for them. Let's believe God with them. Amen? You need to have people that know how to touch God. Verse 5. 
When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. These words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, I'm going to put such a spirit in him that when he hears a certain report, he will return to his own country, and there I will cut him down with the sword. You see, guys, we need a word from the Lord. We need to hear from men of God again, amen? We need to get in this word and find out what God has to say about your situation. Pastor, but you don't know what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what you're going through, amen? The answer is found in the book. The answer is found in God. Verse number 8. When the field commander heard that the king of Assyria had left Latius, he withdrew and found him found the king fighting against Libna. Now Sennacherib received a report from, from uh, Turkiah, the Cushite king of, Israel, king of Egypt was marching out to fight against him. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah. And I'm not going to read it because it's basically blah, blah, blah. Okay? He says, now look, don't you think God has delivered you? I'm going to whip these guys, then I'm going to come back and whip you. Again, guys... <clears throat> God will fight your battles. Some people would say this is coincidence. We as Christians don't believe in coincidence. We believe in the providence of God. Amen? We believe that he works all things out well. Okay? So the, the king of Assyria, he goes away. And in verse number 14, we have, we have a prayer of Hezekiah. We have Hezekiah pouring his heart out to God. Because that blah, blah, blah was actually a letter that the, 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 the king of Assyria laid out. And it was full of blasphemy. It was full of lies. It was full of nonsense. Verse 14, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he read it. And he went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to God, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord. Hear, open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib who has insulted you. Basically, he just said, God, you have a problem. Guys, I want to submit to you that when you have a problem, you need to lay out the thing before God and say, God, you have a problem. (laughs) When your bills seem like they're more than your paycheck, say, God, you have a problem. When the doctor says this is not good, you say, God, you have a problem. Amen? Lay the course out before God. Lay it all out in God's presence. Verse 17. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste the nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire, destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are God. Friends, this is how we fight our battles. We need to remember that the battle is not ours, it's his Amen? The point of that song that we've sung and and at the close of this service, when we pray for you, I want Pastor Tommy to sing it again because we need to get the truth that the battle is not yours. The victory is not dependent on you. It's already been won by him. Amen? Does not matter what you're going through. As a Christian, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a place of victory. I read the end of the book. We win. We're victorious. Amen? Now we need to act like it. Verse number 20. 
Then Isaiah, king of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I've heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Now fast forward to verse 32. He heard his prayer. It's good to know that you're being heard. Verse 32, therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with a shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city. I will save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Guys, God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Now look at what God did. Verse 35. Here's the power of prayer. Here's the answer to Hezekiah's situation. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. Wow. You want to talk about special ops. (laughs) You want to talk about SEAL Team 6. This was God's original seal. This was seal team one. It only took one. Let that sink in. Man, that's McGarrett from 5-0. That's a bad dude, okay? 185,000 Assyrians, gone. When the people got up the next morning, they were all dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp. I believe the dude woke up, Fabian, he's like, we got to go, okay? I don't know about you, but we got to go. And he withdrew, and he returned to Nineveh, and he stayed there. One day while he was worshiping at the temple of the god Nishkros, his sons, that dude and that other dude, cut him down with the sword and they escaped to the land of Arat. And that dude, his son, succeeded him as king. Sometimes those names just get hard to say. I'm sorry. Okay? But his sons killed him. His sons cut him down. Guys, that was prophecy being fulfilled. God said, that dude's not coming back here. That king, Sennacherib, will not return. He's going to go back from where he came from, and you will never see him again. The Sennacherib crisis and its miraculous resolution is a tremendous example to all of us of the power of prayer. This godly leader led his people through a great trial all by the power of God. Would to God I could pastor LCC Berwick that well. This is more than a message for pastors, though. It's a message for all of us. Amen? Because since God is not a respecter of persons, he hears your heartfelt prayers just as easily as he hears mine just as easily as he heard Hezekiah's. He's also just as willing to answer your prayers as he did for Hezekiah. If he did it before, he'll do it again. Now the second story is much more personal and it's much more shorter. And if you'll give me five more minutes, I promise you, you'll be blessed. Chapter number 20. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. Now, it's worth noting that this is all happening at the same time. Anybody in here ever felt overwhelmed sometime? Anybody in here ever felt like, God, I don't know if I could take it anymore. God, are you serious? Come on now. You know what? That's how LJ and Gail Chase feel this morning. We need to pray for them. We need to believe God with them. Amen? We've all been here before. We, because in the same situation, we're dealing with Assyria. We're de- he hadn't got an answer yet. In these days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. Come on now. Man, he felt overwhelmed. He felt like, I don't know if I can handle this. It says the prophet 
The prophet Isaiah, son of Amaz, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You're not going to recover. Not exactly the word from the Lord he was looking for. Not exactly what you want the prophet to come tell you, okay? Uh, you know, Fabian, we, 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 all, we, we come to the altar sometimes. Lord, I want to hear from you. You don't want to hear that, do you? How many would want somebody to say, put your house in order because you're about to die? No. (laughs) Next. Okay. (laughs) You pray for this guy. Okay. And give Amber that. No, no. We don't want to hear that, do we? This was the man of God. This was Isaiah. When this guy said something, Josie, it happened. Okay. And he goes to the king and he says, king, get your house in order because you're going to die. Come on, man. We're dealing with all this situation. How overwhelmed do you think he must have felt? I've got a word for somebody in here today, though. We often feel overwhelmed, right? The enemy often tries to break you before your breakthrough. Say that again. Somebody needs to hear that. Often the enemy tries to break you before your breakthrough. Anybody in here feel like they're being broken? Anybody in here is like, Lord, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Lord, I don't know how, mu- how much longer I can go. The enemy, the enemy doesn't know the plans of God. He ain't that smart. Don't give him that much credit. But he senses something. He senses destiny. He senses that God is for you, that something's about to break. And he's just hoping to short circuit that breakthrough in your family, that breakthrough in your finances, that breakthrough in your health. By breaking you, by breaking your faith, by breaking your hope, by getting you to just throw in the towel. Don't fall for it. Pastor Tommy, you say it all the time. The enemy's playbook is that thin. It's so very thin. He tries to bring discouragement. He tries to bring despair. Don't fall for it. The enemy often tries to break us before our breakthrough. Look at Hezekiah's response, and I'm almost done. Pastor Tommy, if you'll come. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to God. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He touched God. And look at how quickly the answer came. Verse number four. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears and I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. See, guys, there's confirmation that he was still in the midst of this. He hadn't got his breakthrough yet, okay? This is not in chronological order. He's still in the midst of crisis. He's still feeling overwhelmed. He just heard that he was going to die, but he went to God in prayer, and God turned it. God changed things, and he can do it for you. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs, and they did so, and they applied it to the boil, and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign of the Lord that will heal me? What, that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day? It's okay to ask for a sign. It's okay to ask for some confirmation. Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you. The Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or go back ten steps? 
Hezekiah says, it's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps, rather have it go back. Then the prophet called upon the Lord and the Lord made the shadow go back the 10 steps it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Guys, I'm not, I'm not any scientist, but to make time not only stand still, but go back is a pretty awesome miracle. I'm not going to get caught up in the what, because it's all about the why. The why is Hezekiah put his faith in God. Hezekiah realized that that he had come to the end of himself. And at the end of ourselves, and we, is, 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 can be a very good place if we'll look up from where our help comes. Amen? So guys, my question to you today is, is there anything too difficult for God? Is there anything he cannot do? As I close this morning and Pastor Tommy plays, what are you going through today? What major crises, what fiery trial, what mountain of opposition stands before you? The Lord proved with Hezekiah that he can handle anything, and I believe he can handle whatever you may be going through today as well.